0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. We have an exciting new show for you today, but first, let me introduce my co-host Micah Current, Micah. How are you doing today?
1: Well, for seven thirty on a Monday, I'm not bad, so how are you?
0: Uh, you know not bad i you know i I felt like I adjusted to the time change well, and I think I prepared my kids to adjust to the time change well.
1: Wait, the time changed. Yeah, time change Sunday. I'm being sarcastic.
0: It was funny. So actually, it was funny. Someone posted. Someone, um, someone I know from church posted, going, "Hey, remember to set your clocks back so so you don't show up early to church." I'm thinking, don't tell people. If there's one day, don't tell people because then they'll actually show up to church either early or on time. <laughs> don't tell them.
1: Yeah, I was telling some of my team yesterday, I was like, some of the ones that like are notoriously late, I was like, you know, today's one of the days where you have no excuse to be late because you got an extra hour of sleep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but actually, even so, because like Sunday, my son, I could hear the dog going, eh, eh, eh. like, I need to go to the bathroom and eat. And I'm looking at the clock. It's like 5.30. So I get up, I go take him down. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Take him out to go to the bathroom. Don't feed him till like six, just to kind of get his schedule regulated. And then there's my son, play Mario. My like, dude, it's five thirty in the morning. He goes, it's five thirty. The clock in the kitchen said it was six. I'm like six thirty. I'm like, yeah, there was a time change. The clocks in the kitchen don't change. <laughs> so he's like, oh. And then of course my daughter, actually my daughter actually slept. So. That was that was a huge blessing because then both of them would have been getting me up at 5.30. And I'm like, kids, no, no.
1: I also think it's incredibly amazing how early your children get up. I, I don't know why. I really don't. Well, subconsciously, I, you know, I remembered that the time was going to change Saturday, but I went to bed and like, I just, I went to sleep, you know, thinking, hey, I got to get up and I got to go lead worship in the morning and i gotta get things ready at the church and but i woke up and i'm like did it change like i it was one of those like flashback moments where i was like oh oh yeah i did and then i woke up earlier than i was supposed to and which i'm not complaining about i just um it was kind of a deja vu moment (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: yeah absolutely absolutely wonderful all right, so, weird stories. Micah, you already told me you had a doozy of a weird story, so I'll let you jump right into it.
1: I don't know if you're ready for this.
0: I don't, I don't know if I'm ready for anything.
1: You're not ready for anything on a Monday? No. Do you have a case of the Mondays, Scott? Yeah, have a case of the Mondays. So, usually for our weird stories segment, I... I go off on a rant about how, you know, <laughs> something didn't go right or something went, you know, incredibly wrong or, you know, just in my mind, things not to do on a Sunday. Right. And then it almost turns into like a pastoral counseling session <laughs> during the Scott Stepman podcast. But, um, <laughs> on Sundays, I usually, um, when I get home in the afternoon, I I kind of flip through YouTube and flip through Facebook and, and just see what other churches are doing, like worship sets. What are they doing with their lights? What are they doing with their um, teaching? What kind of series are they doing? Are they doing lower thirds? What does their branding look like? What kind of uh, slides are they using? You know, like all the, the aesthetic stuff of a church, just to see what I can, you know, learn and what I can, um, you know, use in my own ministry and so yesterday i i kind of did that but i kind of didn't and then you know we get ready for bed and you know i i take a shower in the morning alicia takes a shower at night and while she's in the shower i'm usually watching something on my ipad so for whatever reason i was on in this rabbit trail on youtube of different churches yesterday and i'm not going to mention the church or the pastor but i get to a church yesterday that I know is fairly Pentecostal and it's in the Southwest Ohio area. And so I'm flipping through, and man, this worship is like jiving, right? They got, they got this big show choir and they're dancing and they got these huge robes on. It kind of looks like what you'll look like, Scott, when you get your PhD for these huge mm. robes on and, you know, or sister act. Yes, that too. Um, <laughs> you know, Worship's very much a call and response, right? He's like, well, oh, let's yeah. sing that chorus again. And like, just kind mm-hmm. of just, you know, it's very, very Pentecostal. And so I um, am flipping through this and I'm like, I'm just, it's 1030 at night. And I'm like, this is just too much. And I get to the point where the pastor comes up. Now, I know this church is fairly conservative, like in their political views. Mm-hmm. And we shared and we've talked in other topics on uh your show about politics from the pulpit and politics yeah. in and, and things like that. Scott, I'm not lying to you. When the pastor gets up to preach, he has a t-shirt on and my wife, you know, had, you know, by that time she was finished getting ready for bed and she had laid next to me and she looked at my iPad. She's like, is that Jesus on the t-shirt? And I was like, yeah, it's Jesus. Scott, this pastor had a t-shirt with Jesus, but the Jesus on the t-shirt had a Make America Great Again baseball hat on. <laughs>
0: oh. No. <laughs> was it the one was it just a random picture of Jesus? Was it like the, the stereotypical Warner the Soul stere-
1: Jesus? Well, the stereotypical, you remember the one like Jesus like praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? Like yes. kind of like he just kind of like a, a side picture?
0: Yeah, him. That's a, yeah, 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 it, it kind that's... of it
1: kind of was that, but it had him with a "Make America Great Again" Donald Trump had on top of it.
0: Oh my god!
1: If I'm lying, was an, I'm. Was t- there an
0: AK in his hands too?
1: No, but he did have jeans, cowboy boots on, and a giant belt buckle as well.
0: was it wearing like a bearskin cap on, the "Make America Great." oh my gosh
1: you want to talk about politics from the pulpit
0: (laughs) you don't even have to say anything just wear that shirt it says it all it says it all oh my oh my gosh
1: i think we can just stop recording now and just call it a day
0: and welcome thank you guys so (laughs) much
1: what do you think of that scott
0: gosh what do i think of that that's ridiculous oh my gosh oh that is so ridiculous i i just don't I know we have a political season coming up in actually we we'll voting for well yeah tomorrow for midterms. general elections midterms, but then two thousand i think it's two thousand and twenty twenty three is Well, 2024, but 2023 is when we're really going to start seeing kind of that headway. Ramp-up season. Ramp-up season to the presidential election. And, you know, I'm so glad I'm not a lead pastor during political seasons. Just going through the 16 and the 2020 was just... Probably brutal. It was brutal. I mean... It was brutal. I think 2020 was even more brutal because not only did you have that, but then you had COVID and everything else. And I think pastors, I think I would say that's probably one of the reasons why a lot of pastors were kind of done. I mean, we could say burnout because they're trying to do a lot of new things, get live streaming up, doing like their parking lot messages and, and had to do a lot more work and as far as like care and checking in on people since you're not seeing people. But I really think that the whole political culture and how deep rooted some of those seeds and some of those roots were in the church and how much people were arguing and fighting about stuff, politics in the church, I I'd say, yeah, it's pretty much, um, I think that's pretty much what's killed a lot of pastors and why they resigned.
1: Um well, the I had a friend years. recently that I had a friend recently that I ran into and he um he's been a, a youth pastor for ten years. And um I ran into him recently here and he and his wife and their kids actually moved to the uh to Trenton where we live and um recently I saw that he took a new job and I was like, Hey, are you gonna be by vocational or something like that? And he's like, No to church. And I was like you left the church or you left ministry he was like well i'm taking a break from ministry but i left the church that i was at and i'm like well if you don't mind me asking um why did you leave and he said you know not to get into the nitty-gritty of it but like not that i'm one side or the other but he said that things got too political for the po like for the point scott that you're just making things got a little too muddy in respect to how people were communicating uh, from the pulpit and how uh leadership is is talking about politics and um guiding their ministry as such. And so he was like, you know, I'd done 10 years of student ministry and you add that on top of a, a very um rabid uh climate politically, um he was like, I, I just needed a break and I needed it out. So mm-hmm. it's just I'm i I'm just nice. adding to your point. Like it's uh yeah. it's sad. It's sad. You know, like it didn't used to be this way. And yeah. um, we sound, here we are, sound like a bunch of old men sitting
0: well, you know, and drinking
1: think... coffee on a Monday yeah. morning at 5 a.m. But like, it's, it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, even with like, it's gotten so toxic, I think is the right word for it. Yeah.
0: and And that's the thing. I think that it was always there as a kid. You know, there'd be times where I'd see people talk about politics in like the lobby or the narthex or sometimes in the sanctuary about something. But it was always cordial. Like even if there's disagreement, no one was like, oh well, you're a you're a you're a Democrat, so you're a baby killer or anything like that. Like no one would really say that. They go, Okay, well, you know, I disrespect your view, but you know, I love you because you're a brother or sister in Christ. And you know, that's what that's what really matters. Um and plus yeah. there's other views that you know, there's other political views that, you know, that you're voting for. And, you know, the abortion topics, not the main thing that makes you vote or be, you know, a Democrat or Republican. And I think, you know, back then it was different because people had a little bit more respect because they knew that, Hey, church is church. And if you're a Christian, I love you because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And does it matter Social economic status, political affiliations, all that stuff doesn't really matter. And now it seems like it's kind of mattering now. And people are getting really geared up. And that's the thing that I think uh is different or it gets very toxic because now it's kind of to the point where you know the beast is the beast is unleashed and, and pastors have to kind of try to tame the beast or try to kill the beast. And either way, there's gonna be blood everywhere. So yeah, it usually and, just falls back on the pastor.
1: Well, when we talk, if we talk about the gospel and we talk about Jesus, like Jesus didn't care about that stuff. Like he he was actually the anti-government, anti-establishment, right? He wanted to just love everybody and love mm-hmm. um, people for who they were. And uh, you know, the probably overused phrase "love the sinner, hate the sin" kind of mm-hmm. you know comes to mind, but it's um, Yeah, I don't know, even as much as I tend to lean on the conservative nature or the conservative side of things, I'm not going to wear a Jesus t-shirt with a Make America Great Again baseball hat on. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: I just (laughs) thought you would enjoy that.
0: Oh, goodness. All right. Yeah, so my weird story. You pulled a weird
1: story from the vault.
0: Yeah. So then this this is actually not fresh. But there's still a little bit of freshness on it because it's actually been about a month since I came across this story. So occasionally I will always like come across like youth ministry fails and it hears some of the weirdest, strangest things that happen in youth ministry. A lot of it's just more of like I could tell like when I'm reading these stories or I'm hearing them, it's mostly just um, this is probably like someone's first gig in youth ministry they're probably in their like early 20s and they're going to make mistakes like you know it's like a bonehead mistake like oh yeah that's something I would do it when I was in the camp ministry at that age like so sometimes I can kind of relate to them and sometimes I'm looking like oh that's a bad idea well there was one youth pastor who got fired (laughs) and rightfully so because he had this idea to make stickers youth stickers and maybe you've heard this but he made a youth sticker that said i heart hot youth pastors and handed them out to all the students and apparently it was he and so he handed them out to the students and of course the students are creeped out by this which rightfully so They, they show these stickers to their parents so the parents are like whoa what the heck is this So then this pastor ends up apologizing and sends something out to the church and also sends something out on social media because it went viral. And the pastor's excuse was, sorry, I wasn't thinking. I was doing a play off the I Love Hot Moms thing, but I thought it'd be funny to put youth pastors. Well, he got fired for that, Um, (laughs) which... Rightfully so because even if you're doing a play on the I love hot moms still I don't know where anything in I don't even know how you could make an I love hot fill in the blank appropriate in a Christian sphere like I love hot Christian guys I love hot Christian girls like even that's kind of cringe so <laughs> I sit there and I really go, okay, I can understand like when there's some youth ministry fails, how I could think like in the mindset like, oh, that'd be funny or that'd be kind of a good idea. And then you put it into practice to go, ooh, that was an awful idea. But I can't think of any logical thought that someone thought this was a good idea. Let's put this to print, make about a thousand stickers of this and hand them out to my students.
1: Yeah, who thought that was a good idea
0: someone obviously didn't have someone obviously didn't consult their team saying hey i have this crazy idea for a fundraiser let's make these stickers and some go yeah no let's not let's not it's hard. which i know we've talked it's a lot about make sure you double check if you have an idea if you're serving double check with your board double check with something you think something's gonna be a little bit too controversial or you don't know or you need guidance like this person's like, oh, this is a good idea. Let's just put it to print and pay church, pride church funds to pay for all these stickers that, A, the church probably had to, like, throw away or maybe just burn them because, like, oh, this is a bad idea. We're burning all these.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Weird.
1: <laughs> that is weird. weird. That's bad. That's cringy. That's... That's, like, like, no.
0: that's, like, bad weird. Like, cringy, bad weird. Like, um... Yeah. Very very weird. And, and and I love and that's the thing that I love about students and I love about children is that if something's off, they're gonna say something. Like they're, they're gonna say yeah. something and be like, Yeah, this is weird. Kids, are, kids are some like of the
1: most honest humans in the world.
0: Yeah, they're honest. Right. And if you're I mean, and if you're I mean, I still remember years ago when um when I first actually we were talking about um I was telling someone about how I got on the camp and how, oh yeah, the whole, it was about the worship leader who was coming and playing, how I knew him for from years. And actually he was a camper when I was a counselor. And I couldn't remember if I was on staff or if it was the year that I counseled the whole, whole summer before staff. And, and one of the reasons I say I have a hard time remembering that those 2002, 2003 is because the staff was so hostile to each other there was some backstage drama that there were a couple of times where I was asked to do things as a staff member and I wasn't even staff because I was there the whole time and I'm like but I'm but I'm not staff like because none of the staff would show up to events because they just didn't want to be around each other because they it was just getting very bad <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah it was um yeah but that's a story for another day <laughs> back in yeah. the archives of Scott's camp stories, which we won't get into all those. Oh goodness. So Micah, what are we talking about today?
1: Um. So I, I kind of alluded to it a couple of weeks ago, but like, I kind of wanted to talk through, you know, your experience as a lead pastor and my experience as a creative arts pastor and kind of how you put services together. Mm. Um, and, uh, the idea of putting services together and um is it okay to add things last minute is it not okay to add things last minute um what's appropriate what's not you know speaking of appropriate and not um and uh when is it appropriate so like from the creative lens i i have always been one to to plan services and to, uh, meet with my senior pastor and to say, Hey, what are you thinking? Um, are you doing this series? Is it okay if we do these songs? Like, you know, and I've done it, you know, a hundred different ways as far as like, this is how we plan services, you know, because I think too, uh, you have to think of, okay, it's not just, okay, the worship pastor and the lead pastor they're they're it, right? No, this, this whole idea of planning services, um, impacts a greater level of, um, of people. So it's not only the, the staff, but it's your volunteers that are helping, whether it's, um, people running sound or media or lights. Um, it's your, you know, your volunteers that are singing on your praise team and your instrumentalists, your worship team. Um, it's also like, you know, it could impact greeters and it's it, it just, It occurred to me a couple of weeks ago, it's happened the last two or three weeks at the church that I'm currently serving at that, you know, two or three minutes before service starts, somebody comes up and they're like, hey, uh, can I can I give this testimony and where should I put that in the service Uh, or who's doing announcements? I send the order of service out and I send it out usually by Tuesdays or Wednesdays each week. Sure enough, Sunday morning rolls around and nobody knows who's doing the announcements. And it's like, how do you not know this? Like I, I, I sent this out like on Tuesday and you know, it's the same every single week. So, mm-hmm. um, Scott, what's your opinion on, on, on creating a service flow and sticking to that versus, um, you know, just kind of being loosey goosey and small church mentality? Because a lot yeah. of it has to do with small church versus big church. And what I mean by small church versus big church is small church being a smaller in size congregation versus big church, meaning, you know, mid to large size.
0: Yeah. So, you know, being, being both a pastor and also being someone who sat through the big church experience, the small church experience, the mid church experience, you know, and everything, it's, it's very hard to develop a flow that, works for everyone and the thing about flow is you can't really there's not like a cut and dry like this is the best way to do a flow because sometimes it could just be kind of the lead pastor's theology of how they want things to flow versus what's best for kind of the congregation Um, bigger churches they seem to have a little bit more of a a better flow in some ways because they probably have another service or two services. So you can't be all loosey goosey because they're Mm -hmm. on a time constraint because once the other church, and especially like I know at the church I was attending at in Fishersville, they had a very small parking lot and they had three services. So there was a time where you had to be done at a certain time because then everybody who's getting in their cars and leaving is happening right at the same time when, cars are coming in to find parking spaces to go to the next service. So you're constantly trying to make sure your time. So if you're doing announcements and you want to do a testimony or you want to add an announcement, um, sorry, it's probably going to be in an email or you're going to have to wait till next service and talk to yeah. the pastor or talk to someone to get that happening because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen in a big church or smaller churches. If you have one service and everybody's there and the mentality is that, you know, in a lot of times, especially with smaller churches, especially older congregations, congregants, you're there until everything's done. Like mm-hmm. you're not leaving until the service is done, until the benediction is pro prayed and the closing music is done you're not leaving that service so if it's 12 o'clock and we in pastors in mid sermon and it looks like it's going to be about a one o'clock before dismissal you're sitting there to one o'clock grumbling stomach i mean you may be angry and disgruntled but you're sitting there because that's just kind of you always stay for church you stay from beginning to end
1: yeah so um yo no go ahead no, I was going to say, I think you're exactly right. And maybe that's my my misconception or my, um, I guess, my struggle with with small church mentality because I've usually worked in bigger churches, mm-hmm. um, larger in size, and we've had multiple services. So it's harder to to add some of those things when you've got to get to the next service, right? I've worked in churches where we've had three services. And if you don't, like, first service has to stay on time. Second service has to stay on time by the time you get to third service, you can just do whatever you want because there's no service after that. However, everybody's exhausted, all your volunteers are exhausted and um yeah it's it's it continues to be you know you have to you have to be regimented right what were you gonna say
0: no i was I was saying like yeah, so kind of like with that especially with smaller churches, a lot of times you can try. And I've tried before, like we have a certain flow and develop that flow and stay consistent to that flow. And I think the other problem with smaller churches is that since it's such kind of like a close-knit group of people, and it's kind of more of a family church in some ways, that family mentality, where you could have a good set service and you could start announcements, singing your three songs, going into prayer, going into offering, going into another song before the sermon, preach the sermon. And then you can think, oh, man, this is flowing very nicely. And then you can get to the benediction song. And someone on your worship team can just say, you know, pastor's message just really spoke to me. And they could go give a 30-minute testimony right there on Mm -hmm. the spot without – Without permission, without hey, is it checking the scene? is this okay because really all they're doing is they have the mic, so they have the power and they're just gonna go and then and then here's the thing, and this is I think the challenge for pastors because if you cut that off and say, nope, sorry we're gonna we gotta we gotta wrap it up, you know
1: then you then you look like the bad guy,
0: you look like the bad guy, and then you just not only offended the person who wanted to share the testimony but then you also offend everybody else in that room because it's like hey apparently god was doing something in this person and you decided not to talk about it but then sometimes it's not necessarily it's it's like i had a student who went to a bigger church and she liked going to go into the youth group but she hated going to sunday service because it was very um very charismatic and she would mm-hmm. tell me every time, like when the pastor would go up to preach the sermon, this woman would stand up and start speaking in tongues for about fifty minutes and blah, 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 like whatever. And that's, this is my student's example. And then she'd sit back down, and the pastor goes, Man, the Lord, Lord's doing an amazing things this place. And he'd go sit down, and we'd go do a closing song. Dude never preached the sermon. So for 15 minutes, my student just heard blah, 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 and then that was it. That was her worship experience was music, someone speaking in gibberish for 15 minutes, pastor saying, blessed be the name of the Lord, go sit back down, and then they close out the service. And she's like, I'm really conflicted because I really like being in this youth group, and I really feel... Like I really feel connected and really feel that God is moving in this youth group. And I feel like he's doing a great work of me, but then I go into the service and it's just awful. Like this lady, yeah. and it's, it's like that every single Sunday. And I'm thinking, someone needs to just say, lady, sit down. It is not your time to speak, <laughs> you know, yeah. but if you had that small, if you haven't been, and I think that was a mid-sized church that was happening at too. And it's like, it disrupts the whole flow and the whole service. Um,
1: Yeah, I think too. uh, And I'm not, and this isn't, you know, I'm not here to to criticize or be critical of small churches or big churches or or, or anything like that. But like, um, you know, if anything, people like consistency in a world where there's inconsistency, and so, uh, kind of the larger church model of all right, you know, here's our service flow, and it's pretty much the same every week because we have multiple services. Um, some of that may change, like the elements of that may change. You know, let's talk about that really quick. Like, so if you're in a big church or a sized church, and your service flow is you know, pre-service music, pre-service slides. Five-minute countdown, five minutes before service starts. One, welcome to church, let's stand together. Songs one, songs two, or song one and song two. And then, hey, uh, turn your attention to the screen for this week's video announcements, which that happens a lot in bigger churches because you have somebody who can, you know, video you know video announcements and produce that content every week. Um, you know, tell your folks to have a seat while the video announcements are going on. Sometimes a host pastor will come up and just remind people, uh, you know, thank people for being there and then, you know, pray and we'll stand together and continue to worship. And then there's more of a ballad kind of worship block where you do songs three and four, and then you pray, there's a sermon bumper video, and then the pastor preaches. And then there may or may not be a song at the end, depending on the time. But usually with things like Planning Center, you know, you throw that stuff in there. It literally gives you a minute, minute, minute by minute breakdown of how many minutes your service is going to be and yeah. so if your goal was to keep it at an hour and you have three services or two services or whatever on a sunday morning you got to stick to that hour right so if you have a 9 30 and an 11 service or a 9 30 and eleven thirty, 30 or you know whatever 9 30 10 30 it doesn't matter um you have that hour service you have about a half hour buffer between because scott you were talking about parkings like because if you're a smaller you're a bigger church, but have a smaller parking lot, for example, it's harder to find parking. People are leaving as you're coming in. It can be a, it can be a chore to find a parking spot in a smaller parking lot of the church. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's just one example of doing it. So like, if you wanted to take, you know, for example, communion one week, you add communion and knock a song out of that set, you know, so you, you have time for that communion block. Um, If you have a testimony video, and you're doing, I don't know. I'm trying to think, uh, if you're doing a sermon series on the book of acts and you're, you want to talk about how Jesus transformed your life. Like they transformed the folks lives and the book of acts, Mm -hmm. you know, each week your, your sermon bumper is going to be a testimonial video of how Jesus changed Scott's life, how Jesus changed Micah's life. And, uh, each week you're doing that. And so that way you're getting those testimonies in without somebody taking the mic and talking for 40 minutes. Yeah. And they're also seen on the screens. It's cleaned up. And that's why I think things like video announcements and bumper videos are so much better because, you know, some people, you know, Scott can get up there and talk, but they're not the best public speaker. And you're like, what in the world is this person talking about? Cause they're just rambling on and on and on <laughs> and they don't know how to, yeah. they don't know how to, they don't know how to land the plane. Right. We, my wife and I joke a lot about landing the plane in ministry. Like some pastors don't know how to, how to, how to land it <laughs> when they're preaching, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, it, Go good.
0: No, no, no. And it's, it's, it's good. It it it's, it, I mean, and, and flows just, it's, I mean, and here's the thing, like when you have a good flow in your service, whether you realize it or not, it just makes the worship experience so much better, and not because we're taking it easy or we're developing a culture of comfort, so there's no disorder, but things just seem to be go fly so smoothly, and there's a difference between having a one off where you know the batteries die in the mic set or The guy who passed the acoustic guitar, his nine volt battery dies, and then his his guitar goes dead. And then you know he's just kind of playing, and either someone puts the microphone, you know, it takes time to put a microphone by the hole or get him a new nine volt to put in the guitar to get the thing moving again. Um, But it just is so much better. I mean, and and I think in the same way, like it's the same way like with announcements too. And we talked about announcements, but. You know, there's some churches who they'll play one song at the beginning well, to start service. And then we go right into announcements. And then there's some who do the announcements right at the beginning, even if everyone's still kind of going in, or going to miss the announcements. But then once those announcements are done, it is a worship block set from the time the first chord is played to the closing prayer. And it's just... It just flows so good. And I understand like those people who want to play the song first and then do the announcement because then by the time the first song's played, everyone's in there. Now it's like, okay, here's a good time to make sure people know what's happening. But I feel like even in some cases, if it's not done well, then it's almost like, okay, we're getting in the worship. Okay, pause. Here's a commercial break. Play. Now we have the rest (laughs) of it it's like if you play the opening credits to a movie and you're getting into it and all of a sudden you now see all the movie trailers for all the movies that are coming out in the middle of the movie. Like you don't do that, but some churches do because they feel like making sure that people know what's happening at the church and all the announcements are, are very vital. Um, and I think that's you, another thing you... about flow.
1: Yeah. yeah I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, And I don't know if we've had this conversation, but like the two things, one, to to piggyback off of what you said, um, we joke about this all the time, but like, you could put something in the bulletin, you could put something on the screens, you could put something on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you could put, you know, you could create events on Facebook and put stuff on your website and people would still be like, when is this happening? Like, they just don't look. Like or it's just complete. They're completely oblivious to the to the the idea that people are promoting events in on in multiple platforms and even saying it verbally from the the platform itself at the church or on video announcements. Like you're seeing it, you're hearing it. I don't know. Like there's always going to be that person, right? Yeah, that doesn't know when something is or why uh, why they why weren't they told about you know this event or that event. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Scott, was. What's your opinion on um, on meet and greets? And what I mean by that is like if we're in service and uh, I do a song and say, you know, again, we're so glad you're here. Turn around and greet somebody and just shake their hand or hug them. And I'm and I'm talking like pre COVID, don't touch me because yeah. you know you may have COVID kind of thing. But like, how do you feel about that? I have a point, but I want to I wanted to hear yours.
0: It, it, I think it also depends on the size of the church. I, I really do because yeah. a, a smaller church. There's really no point in doing a meet and greet because you probably all met and greet each other. Met and greet. I don't even know if that's a word, gret, but you've already meet and greeted with one another in the sanctuary, in the lobby, before service started. That was all Thank you care
1: of. Thank um, you. Thank you so much for saying but,
0: that. I, but, you know, the church I'm at now, we do meet and greet, but at the same time, at the beginning of service, we may have, like, 15 20 people right when the pastor's doing announcements and then by the time the worship leader is in the middle of their first song 30 or 40 more people show up because they're running behind Mm -hmm. and so and then that way you can do a meet and greet because if i was to do a meet and greet even as a even as a family minister um you know, some families I'll start seeing coming in. So it's like, I want to say, oh, hey, how how's everything going with you guys? You know, just build those relationships. Um, but I can't because I can't do that before service because they're not there. So I think a yeah. lot of times if you have your mid-sized churches, your larger churches, and they do that, I think a lot of times it's to, hey, people now stroll in, go do that. And I think at the same time, so I think that's the good thing about a meet and greet. At the same time, if meet and greet is you're standing there and you're going around and you're talking to people, then and you're talking to the same people that's around you, then how are you getting to know more people? And sure. and, and, even, and even sometimes what I liked about meet and greets, Another and I'll say another good thing about meet and greets, you can always have that one person that's probably been a member of the church for years. You do meet and greet and nobody talks to them. And as a pastor, one of the things I do is I make sure I'm looking out and even though I want to say hi to the people who say hi to me, but I'm intentionally seeking out that person, that who, person. Mm-hmm. who everyone else is standing and they're sitting around and they stand there and they're just looking back and forth. And eventually they go and sit back down because it's like, well, no one's going to talk to me and shake my hand. So I'm just going to sit back down. So it's like, okay, I'm, I'm hunting for that person. And I'm going to say, hey, sure. glad that you're here. How how have you, how was your week? You know, and, and and talk to them, and and I think in some cases that's good, And especially I noticed that a lot with people who've lost loved ones, that their loved one passed away, and and you know, it might have been like their spouse was the talkative one, and it was the one who during meet and greet time was always the one who was always walking around shaking hands, and the other spouse would kind of ride the coattails of that. And now that that outgoing, energetic spouse is now not in the picture, they just stand there and then no one talks to them because they weren't the life of the party. They were the introvert, you know? <laughs> so just having that one well, person saying, hey, glad you're here, it mean, means the world a difference.
1: Well, speaking of which, um, people are introverted, right? And so my wife will be the first to tell you that she hates a meet and greet. She don't yeah. want people to come and you know, she doesn't like, especially people she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Like she, she's like, she, she feels like that's incredibly uncomfortable for her. And so she, she just, she, you know, dislikes meet and greets period. So, and I was telling pastor, uh, the pastor at the church yesterday that I'm at, um, that one of the first churches I pastored, uh, I had a guy on my worship team, one of my best friends, even to this day, his wife came up to me when I first started there and was like, don't you dare do meet and greets. I hate meet and greets. And she's like, don't ever ask me to, to pray. Don't ever ask me to come up and do anything public speaking related. Just don't want to do it. And I'm like, Oh, okay, great. So um, the reason I bring up the meet and greet thing is that like, I think that it's in, in bigger, larger settings, it's hard to do that because it's a bigger setting and it's harder to actually get to know more people. Cause you're, you know, you're surrounded by hundreds of, hundreds of people literally. And so you're not going to see the person who's clear across the auditorium from you because there's just so many. Right. Mm-hmm. But in smaller churches um, everybody knows everybody. Right. And so, and I have a question to follow that up here in a few minutes, but, um, you know, the church that I'm currently serving about three weeks ago, maybe even a month ago, the pastor was like, you know, we don't have to do the meet and greet every week. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't, I'm, you know, they're, they're meeting, like you said, Scott. And I said, you know, when I said, thank you a few minutes ago, like people are meeting and greeting in the lobby. People are meeting and greeting in the hallway. People are meeting and greeting in the sanctuary before church even starts. Why do they need to meet, quote, meet and greet again during service? And so that was, you know, three or four weeks ago. And then about three weeks ago, you know, we just, I didn't do it. We just got up. We did worship. I prayed. Pastor came up and preached. It was a really good service. We went home. And then about two weeks ago, pastor came up. And this is when I was, you know, kind of sharing about our topic today about, the the idea of service flow like i i sent an order of service out so why aren't we following it and why are people coming up to me like left and right about i want to do a testimony and i want to do this and i want to do that and i want to talk and um and pastor was like let's do the meet and greet today and i'm like you just told me (laughs) that we didn't want to do it anymore or you weren't going to do it anymore you didn't have we didn't have to do it yeah and he was like well somebody said something yeah, of course. So, Ine- somebody so said inev- inevitably, somebody said something, which kind of leads me to my my last question as we kind of wrap up our time in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's why smaller churches don't grow? Ooh, wow! Um... And the reason I ask that is because they're comfortable in the 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 way that they do things. They know everybody. They want to do the service the way they want to do it. They want to do the testimonies. They want to do it. They want to do the meet and greet the way they want to do it. You know, sometimes the pastor and like, I'm not discarding the fact that, you know, the spirit moves and, and and mm-hmm. whoever the pastor is may or may not preach that week because it may turn into a testimony service. It may turn into just a full blown time of worship, which is okay, but small, you know, country church of about 50 people may or may not change or grow and part of that is because they don't want to change and they don't want to grow what are your thoughts
0: i i would i would i would say that yeah i i would agree to that because again it it goes back to control Mm -hmm. like the meet and greet having a meet and greet have a small church having a meet and greet is not going to kill your church what's going to kill the church is control when the congregation feels like they have control over how things are done in service so as a pastor if you're like hey i mean we've talked about this before with music styles of music if pastor says hey if we want to reach younger families we're going to have to adjust and probably do a more modern musical music choices or start integrating that into our worship service and people are going like no we must always sing the hymns I mean I I can remember I had one lady tell me we just need to sing hymns and grow the church by just singing hymns and then when young families start showing up then we switch over to doing modern music and I'm thinking if we're just doing hymns all the time young families are not going to be showing up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and I mean and I mean and again that also goes back to the culture. I mean you could have a church that does hymns, it could be growing left and right because it's that's what that culture or that area, they just all want Southern Gospel hymns and they don't like the whole modern stuff. And even the younger families who live out there are into the whole, you know, that hymn Southern Gospel style music. So they're going to do that. And it's like, okay, you know, that's fine. But it's not necessarily the music choice or meet and greets or anything else, it really boils down to control. And if the congregation, again, well, somebody said something, well, that doesn't mean that the pastor has control. It means that the congregation has control. So if somebody says something about not having meet and greet is making a big stink about it, then you change course. Mm -hmm. Because you want to make sure that those people are happy and those people... Are not knocking on your door or calling you the next day going, Hey, it was Easter and we didn't get to sing Up from the Grave Here Rose. <laughs> you know? So we're gonna complain about that because my favorite Easter song wasn't played in service. Well, it has nothing to do with the song. It it had to do with control.
1: Yeah. Well, and and to take it a step further, I I, I don't think that people some people know that they're in control and they're, you know, they're, they're the controlling factor in the ministry that they're in. However, some people may not know because that's all they've ever known. Right. But like, it's, I think it's fascinating that certain people, um, they do everything in the church, right? They're the church secretary or they're the ones doing the Facebook thing and they're doing the live stream and they're doing, you know, and they're not letting anybody else do that. And then they wonder why the church doesn't grow. Like, why aren't you investing in people? Which is a whole nother conversation. But, like, it's, for me, um, you know, it's sad when I drive around my little community and I see all these wonderful churches and I'm like, man, in 10 years, if you don't change course, if you don't really think about, uh, changing some of the things that you're doing, then uh, you may or may not be here. Um, Which is sad, but, uh, but again, there, there's also no perfect formula or perfect science to it. But I think there's also a time and a place for everything. I mean, that's biblical too, right? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. scripture. Um, but they, the idea of, uh, I don't know, like it's, I feel like you should trust the leaders that you, you've hired to, to do those jobs and, if that doesn't include certain elements, then they're they're obviously trying a strategy to to better the ministry overall. But if it doesn't work, guess what? We can try other things. We can't we don't need to keep doing the thing excuse me, the same things over and over and over again.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Like it's just
1: mm-hmm. that's that's frustrating. That's I think that's more frustrating when you just continue to do things and don't see results. And then argue about those things because it's appeasing to certain people in certain generations of the church. Oh, we're yeah. not singing "Up from the Grave He Rose," or we're not doing the meet and greet, or we're not doing—you know—we don't have flowers in front of this, you know, in the front of the sanctuary, and we don't have candles lit. What? Mm-hmm. It's 2022. People's souls yeah. are more important than "Up from the Grave He Rose" the hymn, or you know, candles yeah. being lit. I, I, I just—it it just baffles me. Yeah absolutely yeah so yeah it does service flow man i think it's important because it is you create that branding you create that culture
0: yeah and that's and i think that's and i think that's kind of a good point to end this on is that when you have a good flow you're, you're you're creating culture you're creating a war a culture of worship within your service so if you're have a certain formula that seems to work and it starts to draw people closer to the throne of god then keep your flow keep that going and then also just kind of be discerning too as far as if you do have that person who has the testimony you know okay if it fits great if it doesn't you know just say you know you know, just politely kind of interrupt and say, you know, that's that's wonderful, especially if they start going on and on and on. Like, yep. Good. Like, wonderful. Like that's that's really good. Try to help and them maybe, land the maybe, jet. Yeah, yeah, try to help them land the jet. Exactly. But friends, thank you so much for listening to this Scott Steven podcast. Hopefully, if you're a pastor, hopefully you're or a church leader, hopefully this uh episode on church flow kinda of helps give you some insight and help. Maybe it helps you Maybe take a little bit more of a stance and go, you know what? Yeah, I don't have control over the service, so I need to start having more control and have a consistent floor to create that culture of worship within my congregation. So friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll be back on next week with another episode. Take care.